We're analyzing Philip Morris stock ticker PM to see if this high dividend yielding stock is on sale. We're using the select six analysis to look at the most telling financial metrics before estimating an intrinsic value for Philip Morris. Then we're giving a final rating to the business. There will be a key bonus metric along the way that just might be the tipping point when analyzing Philip Morris for your stock portfolio. Before we get into these valuable metrics, let's understand Philip Morris's stock performance. Right now, Philip Morris trades for $94.73 per share. Year to date, their stock price is down 8% so far. Philip Morris is a high yielding dividend stock. Right now they have a 5.44% dividend yield, which is in addition to these returns in their stock price. In the last five years, Philip Morris is compounding at 3% annually. In the last 10 years, their stock price is only up 3.5% overall. Going back to the global financial crisis, since Philip Morris was split off from Altria, its stock price is up 83%. Their average dividend yield throughout this time is in addition to these compounded annual returns. Philip Morris trades in between their 52-week high and low, a little closer to their high. About a half a percent of their shares are sold short. Philip Morris is a huge business. They have a $144.5 billion market cap. But the burning question is, why should we be paying close attention to Philip Morris? Philip Morris is an international tobacco company with a product portfolio primarily consisting of cigarettes and reduced risk products, including heat not burn, vapor, and oral nicotine products, which are sold in markets outside of the United States. The company diversified away from cigarettes with the 2022 acquisition of Swedish Match, a leading manufacturer of traditional oral tobacco products primarily in the United States and Scandinavia. It diversified away from nicotine products with the acquisition of Vectura, a provider of innovative inhaled drug delivery solutions in 2021. The firm has six geographical segments, the European Union, Eastern Europe, Middle East and Africa, South and Southeast Asia, East Asia, and Australia in the Americas. The company's most recognized and best-selling product is Marlboro. Now that we have that background on Philip Morris, let's get into the numbers. Starting with metric number one, we want their average return on capital in the last five years to be above 14%. A typical publicly listed business earns about 7% returns on capital. Looking for a benchmark that's double this allows us to build in margin of safety based off the quality of the business. Philip Morris earns huge returns on capital even though they were cut in half from their fiscal 2021 until 2022. They earn 31.5% returns in their most recent fiscal year. Averaged out during this time, Philip Morris earns 49% returns on capital in a given year. That's a massive number, seven times better than a typical business. This is a huge check starting off on metric number one. Metric number two, we're looking for growth to go along with that return on capital. We want to see five-year growth in their revenues, net incomes, and free cash flows. All three of these have to be up for this to be a check, and we'll be including their numbers up until today. During this time, Philip Morris grew their revenues by 8%, their earnings have grown by 10%. However, the company's free cash flows are slightly down, even though they were up in their most recent fiscal year. In their last 12 months, Philip Morris has only produced $7 billion worth of free cash flow. They've fallen 5.5% from where they were at in 2018. Because of this, this means this is an X on metric number two for Philip Morris. Metric number three, we're looking for earnings per share growth in the last five years. This helps us take the view of an individual shareholder of Philip Morris by looking at the company on a per share basis. We learned they've grown their earnings by 10% during this time, and Philip Morris has bought back just a very, very small amount of their shares outstanding, just buying back 0.2% of shares. While this is better than shareholder dilution, this isn't much to write home about. Their earnings growth is going to drive their earnings per share growth, meaning this is another check on metric number three. 
Metric number four, we're looking for free cash flow per share growth in the last five years. Similar to when we looked at just their free cash flows alone, because their shares outstanding haven't changed by that much, it would appear that Philip Morris has grown their free cash flows per share if we were stopping at their most recent fiscal year. However, including the company's last 12 months, their free cash flows are slightly down, meaning their free cash flows per share are down as well. This is our second X of the day on metric number four. Recapping where we stand so far, through four metrics, we're split evenly. We have two checks and two Xs for Philip Morris. But there's still one vital piece missing. You might think nailing returns on capital and having good growth is the key, but we haven't touched on the one thing that I believe sets truly wonderful businesses apart, which is having these characteristics without using a lot of debt. In metric number five, we want Philip Morris's net debt, which is their total debt minus their cash and their short-term investments, to be below the amount of free cash flow the company has produced in their last five years. Philip Morris increased their net debt position through their Swedish match acquisition last year. They ended their most recent fiscal year with $40.5 billion in net debt. Since then, they've increased this somewhat more. Right now, they have $44.7 billion in net debt. In their last five fiscal years, though, Philip Morris has produced $47 billion worth of free cash flow. That's just enough to be able to support their current net debt position, meaning this is a check on metric number five. It doesn't offer a ton of breathing room for the company, though, and it's well above what their debt position was for most of these years. Before we get into the first of two different ways that we're going to estimate a value for Philip Morris, it's time for our bonus. As our bonus, we're looking at Philip Morris's dividend profile. Right now, Philip Morris pays a huge 5.44% dividend yield. This is well above the yield from an S&P 500 ETF. If we include the company's history when they were together with Altria, Philip Morris has increased their dividend payouts for each of the last 53 years, making Philip Morris a dividend king. However, people make mistakes all the time by chasing dividends. We want to see that their dividends are supported by their free cash flows. It's no surprise that in the last five years, they continued increasing their dividends dividends and they've supported these with their free cash flows in all five of these years. It's worth noting though in their last 12 months that Philip Morris has not been able to support their dividends with their free cash flows. Philip Morris produced $4.90 worth of free cash flow for each share that they had outstanding and they're now paying out more than $5 worth of dividends. This means they're relying on some other source of funding for these dividend payouts with their debt loads coming in close to their free cash flows. Unless Philip Morris is able to increase their free cash flows again into the future, their dividend could be coming under some pressure, so that's something you want to be mindful of. The big metric of them all, metric number six, we want Philip Morris's average five-year free cash flow to their total enterprise value to give us a yield that's above 5%. If this is the case, this gives a slight risk premium to the yield of the 10-year treasury. It's the first of two different ways we'll be using to value Philip Morris. Right now, Philip Morris has a $191 billion enterprise value. That's a big number that accounts for both their market cap and their net debt position, giving a perspective of Philip Morris similar to it being a private company. In the last five years, we learned Philip Morris produced $47.4 billion of free cash flow. This means they produce about $4.5 billion of free cash flow in an average year. When that's divided by their $191 billion enterprise value, we get a very, very close 4.97% average free cash flow to enterprise value yield for the company. On a current basis, Philip Morris produced $7.6 billion of free cash flow in their last 12 months. When that's divided by their $191 billion 
enterprise value, we get a 3.97% current free cash flow to enterprise value yield. Both of these are coming in above the yield of the 10-year treasury, but they're just slightly down from the risk premium we'd be seeking, meaning this is an X on metric number six, but don't just throw this business out. We want to give a more concrete estimate for Philip Morris's fair value per share. Everything we've discussed so far is important, but there's something missing that in my opinion is the main reason to analyze Philip Morris, which takes us on to using a discounted cash flow model to come to an estimate of their fair value per share. A DCF model is based off the predictability of a company's free cash flows. Like any model in any discipline, its outputs are sensitive to its inputs. Philip Morris has had a low degree of business predictability in its past. We're starting with an average of their free cash flows from their three most recent fiscal years, then using historical assumptions to grow these into the future. It's up to you to figure out if these assumptions are accurate or not for the company. If Philip Morris grows their three-year free cash flows at a rate of just over 6% for the next 10 years, then in the following decade, if these grow at 4% annually, we won't be adding in their tangible book value. If we're seeking a 15% rate of return, which is the rate of return Warren Buffett's looking for in addition to his margin of safety requirements from today's valuations an estimate of philip morris's fair value per share is around 60 dollars that's down about $35 from the company's current stock price. There are key points to be mindful of. Philip Morris has not been that predictable of a company in its past. That might also be the case for the company's future. Also, this discount rate is an estimate of total return to shareholders based off their free cash flows. It would already be including their 5.44% dividend yield, meaning their stock price would not be appreciating by this whole 15% amount. We didn't add in the company's tangible book value because Philip Morris has both had share buybacks throughout the years. They tend to be an asset light business. This could also be skewed by some of their recent acquisitions, so it's not the most accurate for the business. Most importantly, this analysis is not financial advice. It's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. Consult with a financial advisor before making any investment decision. In just a minute, we'll talk about our final rating for Philip Morris, but we have to address something first. We've covered the numbers, but the qualitative aspects of this business are just as important. What are they? Starting with the qualitative factors supporting a potential long thesis, number one, cigarette loyalty tends to be strongest in the highest price segments, and with its positioning skewed to premium brands, Philip Morris International is among the best positioned to benefit. Number two, successful commercialization of IQOS in the United States is not being priced into the stock and would represent an entirely incremental volume for Philip Morris, which generates no other sales in the United States. Number three, with 23% global market share excluding the United States and China, Philip Morris is the world's largest publicly traded tobacco company by volume. Its scale, customer loyalty to its Marlboro brand, and addictive products give it meaningful pricing power. We'd be remiss if we didn't cover the negative aspects of the business too, looking at the qualitative factors supporting a potential short thesis. Number one, a great deal is still undetermined about the tax and regulatory environment of cigarette alternatives, which could play a significant role in the future profitability of the company. Number two, with most of its net sales derived in foreign currencies and about one-fourth of its input cost in dollars, a strengthening of the US dollar can have a material negative impact on earnings growth. Number three, fat tail risks still exist for the tobacco companies in the form of litigation and strict regulatory controls. There you have it for a balanced perspective of some of the qualitative aspects of Philip Morris. Now it's time to give our rating. 
In analyzing Philip Morris, stock ticker PM, we learned the company is an asset light business that's focused on returns to shareholders through its dividend payouts that likely also has some ESG concerns. Philip Morris has a lot of the traits of being a great business. They earn very high returns on capital, seven times better than a typical business. While they've grown revenues and earnings, their free cash flows are slightly down over this time. They bought back just the tiniest amount of shares. While they did add on quite a bit of debt for their Swedish match acquisition last year, the company still supports their debt load with their free cash flows even with them being down over this time. It's worth reiterating this analysis isn't financial advice. The company's free cash flow to enterprise value yields were above the yield of the 10-year treasury, but they may not be attractive to the risk premium we were looking for. When we performed our discounted cash flow analysis, from today's valuation, if you believe those assumptions and want that 15% rate of return, it looks like an estimate for a fair value per share of Philip Morris is around $60. It's been a while since the company last traded at those levels all the way back in February of 2011. Keep in mind that's total returns to shareholders. When we looked at all the factors of our analysis, Philip Morris looks like a moderate candidate for further research. Again, this is not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. Consult with a financial advisor before making any investment decision. If you enjoyed today's video, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel for more stock analysis videos, share your thoughts about Philip Morris, and let me know what business you want me to look at next in the comments below. Thanks for learning about Philip Morris with me, and have a great day.